Vampires and haters, welcome back to the Kowski cast. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski. And I'm Rachel Stukenborg. And today we're back for another episode of Twilight, the only podcast on the internet that debates the pros and cons of the Twilight Saga. This week we're breaking down chapters 9, Theory, and chapter 10, Interrogations, of the first Twilight novel. Let's get to it. Okay, back to back here, we got a bunch of chapters that are just basically conversations. Just, yep. just chatting it up, not a whole lot of action. But this is good, you know? We're back in the zone of chapters that they cut out of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We're in the get-to-know-you stage Some actual character development. Look. Kind of. It's character development. It's relationship development. We throw out the L word. Oh. Yeah. Did you you not catch that at the end of chapter nine? We'll talk about it. Oh. Okay. No, I did, but we've talked about it before. Okay, we'll come back to it. Yes, we have talked about it before, but we're going to talk about it again. So, I don't know. I feel like these two chapters, they go together well. We've been doing a good job somehow accidentally pairing up the chapters yeah. where they seem to flow pretty well. And they're both pretty short. Uh, the span from chapter 9 to the end of chapter 10 is like, what, about 40 pages-ish? Yeah, 40, they blew 40, by. 50 pages? It's not that long. So we are now almost at the almost to the halfway point of the book, I believe. Yeah. I've never read a book so fast in my life. That's a lie. But <laughs> It feels fast. Even though we're like reading two chapters every week, somehow, I don't know about you, Rachel, but I'm still procrastinating so i'm reading them like right before we record the podcast oh yeah same i finished the second chapter this morning okay my copy of twilight is 498 pages yes and we are at 219 so almost almost halfway a little bit a little bit shy of halfway guys welcome to the almost halfway point Thanks for coming along. Thanks for coming ride. along. We're halfway there. We're halfway there. Just a little bit more. Living so. on a prayer. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Chapter nine, theory. So this is immediately after the previous chapter. We were at the Italian restaurant, La Bella. La Bella something. Italia. Italia, yeah. And they made no comment about the fact that her name was in it, and I was pissed. It's really annoying. So they're driving back from Forks. He's driving, like, really speedy quick. Like, no patience for that. And I'm kind of surprised. I get that he drives fast but like don't you want to talk with her for a little longer maybe slow it down a little bit right okay this is a weird side note that i just thought of when i used to hang out with my high school boyfriend his house was probably an eight minute drive from my house but we would always just like round up and say that it was like a 15 20 minute drive just so we could spend a couple more minutes together be like oh mom i'm heading home now be there in 15 or 20 minutes but it's really only eight minutes and then we just like hang out for a little bit longer i mean this like matter (laughs) of minutes but it just used to be a thing because we lived kind of out in the middle of nowhere if we went pretty much anywhere if we drove to school if we drove to target whatever it was we'd be like 
oh, it takes 30 minutes to get there. It didn't actually take 30 minutes. It took like 15. Mm-hmm. But we would always just say that. And, and you know, you got to use that spend sometimes. A little more time. Yeah. And I feel like car conversations are some of the best conversations. You always end up talking about like deep stuff, especially if it's a road trip like they're doing right now from Port Angeles to Forks. Or you end up just like jamming. Yeah. Just putting on some music and rocking out. And it's always, it's always so much fun. So it's like, yeah. save the moment, man. That's when the estrogen rush hits. That's exactly when it hits. <laughs> when you're jamming to some Radio Disney Jams Volume 9. Uh, Good one. Maximum estrogen levels. Yes. So he's driving. She asks him a couple questions. She wants to know how he found her after she separated from Jessica and Angela because, you know, he can't read her mind. And she's like, how did you know I didn't go into the bookstore? And he says, I followed your scent. <laughs> Yeah. Just casual. Yeah. And she's like, she doesn't say anything about that. She's just kind of like, all right, we're going to tuck that away for later. Yeah. Ask no more questions about this very odd thing to say. And at this point, we don't, do we know he's a vampire? Yeah. We, I okay. mean, she, she has not had the, she's about to have the conversation with him where she says it, but okay. she's pretty much got it confirmed. And I mean, he's at least being open enough to be like, yeah, I read minds and I'm definitely a monster. So <laughs> I think she's uh, getting there. I mean, classic, right? All the vampires I know can read minds. Oh yeah, absolutely. I feel like we just, I don't know, maybe we were tired at the end of last chapter. I feel like we just kind of skirted past the whole like yeah he's just being open with her just saying it he could read mm-hmm. minds casual yeah and i remember that being dropped so casually and it wasn't really something that had been built up to a lot no she was just like all of a sudden she asked him a question and says hey theoretically can could someone like you read minds when it's not like she had been speculating about that for chapters or no. anything she was like it seems like he can read minds because he like reacts certain ways to things he shouldn't know about but the way she said it she was also like so hypothetical if someone could read minds with one exception right. being her which is like the way it is but how did she know that how did she get to that point I don't remember that like logic process I think she assumed that he couldn't read her mind because of certain things she had been thinking but I okay maybe I'm forgetting I think he said something like if only you knew what those guys were thinking when like the guys who had attacked her so the I think maybe street. that was kind of where she got to the whole reading minds okay. thing but anyway that was last chapter we're here yeah so they're in the car driving. He gave her his jacket and she's wearing it and breathing in the scent. And there's a lot about his scent. I can't figure out because she says it's like sweet and really good. And it just doesn't sound appealing to me. Like, I don't know what this is, <laughs> but I'm like, Ugh. I honestly, I just picture like a cologne scent. She says it's unlike any cologne, though. It's not like, is it like, like a food is scent? Is it his pheromones? I don't know. Is it <laughs> is it flowery? Because she doesn't say that it's like musky or anything. It, I don't know. It just seems... <laughs> this is really bad, but whenever I think about a sweet scent, I always think of that smell. This is because it, it was in a different book and it's always stuck with me. The like really sweet scent that like rotting animals have. Ew, like, have you ever run scent? But like have you ever run by like a deer that's like on the yeah. side of the road and it's sweet. It's bad. It doesn't smell sweet. Well, and maybe you like maybe you didn't has to be like a fresh man. deer. <laughs> maybe you're too late to the scene. I'll go find myself a fresh kill. And yeah. Take a big whiff. <laughs> I wonder how long after an animal like does do the animals have to be alive when they drink their blood or could they be oh like when when the, the vampires, vampires do yeah. yeah or could they be dead would that be bad would that be like eating a dead fish like you're not supposed to do that that's a good question are they can they be scavengers if they need to <sighs> i don't know i mean i think probably if they were desperate right mm-hmm. i don't know i don't know man 
Anyway, let's put some vampires on Survivor and see what happens. <laughs> she talks a little bit more about the whole mind reading thing. And he says that like everybody has a voice. And unless they're very familiar to him, then he can't hear them over a few miles away. He doesn't know why he can't hear hers. He says something about like maybe he's on FM and she's on AM or something. Yeah, he compared it to a radio yes. broadcast where like everyone else is on one channel and then she's on something different for some reason. But you know, I don't know if they ever delve into like some sort of explanation for this. It's just the way it is. Well, it's definitely very early foreshadowing. I'm not going to go into too much of that now, but I'll say that this like does have a purpose. Now, at the point when Stephanie Meyer was writing this book, I don't know if she had planned all of this out yet. It does come back and it does eventually lead to a meeting. But for her, it's probably just like, it's going to be easier for me if my main character is the exception to this rule. And part of me wonders, I'll talk about this more in these chapters, but I think part of this is like part of the main reason why Edward likes Bella, or at least is interested in her, is because he can't read her mind. It's the first time in 200 years or longer. I don't know how long he's been. I feel like he's like 117 or something like that. Okay. My bad. <laughs> I don't know. I, I made that number up. I'm sure we'll get to okay. it eventually. The first time in 117 years that he's come across someone that he can't read their mind. Yeah. I'm sure he's like intrigued. So this does bring me to one of my favorite lines though, where she says, my mind doesn't work right. I'm a freak. The words bothered me more than they should, probably because his speculation hit home. I'd always suspected as much and it embarrassed me to have it confirmed. And then he he says, I hear voices in my mind and you're worried that you're the freak. Yep. <laughs> and I have always liked that too. Just like her, part of me thinks it's like, girl, maybe you're being a little bit full of yourself to yeah. think that, that you're special because he can't hear you. <laughs> you're not special. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. <laughs> so he drives really fast. Sorry, I know I'm supposed to be pro, but I really hate the line where she goes, holy crow. Holy, yeah. Let's just say holy cow. Does anyone, I mean, have you ever said holy crow in your entire life? No. And I've never heard anyone her age say holy crow. Let me know on Twitter or something if any of you are fans of Holy Crow or if you've ever said it or know it. Because that just, it, it seems like a, I mean, I know that it's a phrase, but it maybe just seems West so Coast antiquated. Thing. Maybe, maybe. Here on the East Coast, we do not say Holy Crow. Yeah. And then there's a funny back and forth. He says, I always drive like this. And she's like, keep your eyes on the road. And he's like, I've never been in an accident, blah, blah, blah. And then he, he goes from 100 down to 80 and, and he complains that he's driving too slow. And she's like, this is slow. And he says, and commentary on my driving. I just really like that. He kind of snaps at her. It's just like little fun banter. I like their banter. It's good. (laughs) He's a vampire. I get it. But he's still a 17 year old looking guy, right? Right. I understand that we're gonna get to a second about the fact that he's older. But like, he can't expect Bella to be okay with the fact that he's to assume that he's a good driver because most 17 year old people are statistically poor drivers. And this is the second time she's ever been in a car with him. Like, I don't know about you, but it took me years to get comfortable with like certain people. I had friends growing up that I knew like, okay, I am not gonna ride with this person or I will ride with this person because I just knew some were safer drivers than others. And it's not necessarily like being in car accidents. It's like, which of my friends do I feel like are, you know, paying more attention or always make people buckle up or whatever. Right. Well, guys, safety first, okay? Buckle up for safety. Buckle up. Buckle up all the time, all the way. All the way. Especially if you're in the car with Edward. Yeah. So he asked her to tell him her newest theory and she's like, yeah, I saw Jacob Black and heard these stories. But she starts worrying that Jacob could get in trouble. So she's like, oh, but I made him, I made him tell me. 
Yeah. <laughs> She's worried he could get in trouble because he broke the treaty when he was like, oh, whoops, guess I just told you, like, generations of secrets that I wasn't supposed to tell you. So Bella's like, oh no, Edward, it wasn't Jacob's fault. I flirted with him to trick him into telling me. Edward started laughing in Bella's commentaries. I glared up at him. He was laughing, but his eyes were fierce, staring straight ahead. Okay, I have, like, a mental picture of this expression. His eyes were fierce, and he was laughing. Seems kind of evil. Yeah. It, it's like dead eye laughter. I'm, this this expression doesn't fit the mood. I think he is realizing, oh shoot, she's got it right this time. Like she's nailed it. It's a vampire. I think maybe he was hoping that she was going to tell him some kind of wild theory, but no, she's on the money and he's like, crap, she knows. Okay. While he has not necessarily signed a treaty here, he clearly has some sort of pact with his family where they're not going to tell people they're vampires. Lil Bella over here is finding things out. Mm-hmm. Even if he did have like a promise to his family, he's not doing a good job of keeping it secret. He's like, so what's your newest theory? So what's your newest theory? Like eventually if she spends enough time with you, she's going to get it right. Exactly. And she says that she went for a walk with him. It says, I edited all my scheming out of the story, the part about her flirting, which is interesting to me because there's twice in these two chapters in chapter 10, he's going to mention that she edits sometimes like what she's thinking when she tells him. Mm -hmm. And this just reminds me though of when I read this book to my sister, because I, I read all the Twilight books out loud to my sister. <laughs> my sister, who's a year and a half older than me, but wasn't a big reader. Like, she just didn't really like reading. So I read all of these books. And I'm trying to think, I think I also read all the Hunger Games books to her. But I read all the Twilight books out loud to her while she would, like, draw or paint or do puzzles or whatever when we were growing up. Just because I've always liked reading aloud. I think it's fun. I think it's good practice for me to, I don't, I don't know, practice of what? I'm not really sure. My future career is being a book reader. My future mm. career of being a podcaster, maybe. There you go. Maybe you could do audiobooks. Oh, I've always wanted to. That's my dream. There you go. That's my dream. You've got so much experience. But as Kirsten McKinnis says all the time, I do not have voices. I do. Not, I can't do impressions. <laughs> so do an Edward right now. Um, I need like a quote. <laughs> I'm not, what's an Edward voice? He's just a dude. You don't care if I'm a monster, if I'm not human. It's not a voice. It's just a man's voice. There's nothing like special about that. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good either. No. I don't know. Like, because he had, probably has like a silky voice. I don't know how like to do a, that. S- sultry? Is that a word? You, like, don't, you don't care if dark. I'm not a mo- You don't care if I'm a monster, if I'm not human. Is that better? I don't know. No, that was worse. That was worse. Okay, sorry, guys. <laughs> not going to be doing the audiobook. We'll work on it for your audiobook career. But, well, so what's funny is I think I read the books to her after the first movie had come out, and I, I said, like, do you picture, when I'm reading this to you, do you picture the actors? And she said, no, I mostly just picture you <laughs> doing it. That's because <laughs> you read them to me. So I mostly picture Aww. you when I think of the characters. But wow. where was I going with this? Right, so when I used to read to her, though, I found find myself sometimes editing while I'm reading. Not as much with Twilight, but I read aloud to my family a lot. And if there's ever, for example, like a curse word in the book, I'll usually edit it out or change it Aww. in my mind to make it more PG. Keep it PG for your family. Yeah, I just do that. But like sometimes I'll find myself reading and I'll be like, that's not exactly what the sentence said, but I sort of just edited it and changed it into my own voice. I'm This is right. horrible. Anyway, so that I, I identify with that. So she tells him that she decided it doesn't matter to her what he is. She's like, yeah, I looked it up. But 
then I decided it didn't matter. Yep. And then he immediately gets upset. And I'm wondering, like, is it because he can't predict her mood? Or because is that why he's upset with her that she says it doesn't matter? Or is it because, like, to him it does matter? I feel like she's been pretty straightforward with him. Because, like, when he was ignoring her... Well, I guess she was kind of ignoring him, too, during that phase. But, like, right after, she was like, what's your deal? And he's the one who's kind of been, like, shifty with her. I feel like she's been pretty open with him. But I'm saying, like, why is he upset with her that she says it doesn't matter that he's a vampire? I think he's upset because she should... It should matter to her. Mm -hmm. Like, he's dangerous, and she's not acknowledging the fact that he's dangerous. So I think he's upset that that message isn't getting across to her. I guess. Like, I think for him, it's, like, it's a big deal. He's struggling with it himself, and he doesn't spend time, obviously, this close with humans. So he's kind of warring with the side of him that wants to be with her and wants right. her to selfishly accept him. But then the other side that's like, but I'm a monster and I can't even accept myself. How are you right. okay with this? And this all comes back to me to this idea of why does Edward like Bella? I think it's because she's different than any human he's ever come into contact with and in that he can't read her mind. Is that enough for you? Because that's my biggest issue with the Twilight books. Really? Is like, okay, once they have some adventures together, like have more interactions, I get that they could like grow on each other. But part of me feels like Edward's just lonely. He's been spending mm. this whole life without companionship and all of his family members have companionship and he's met this girl who true she seems a little bit more mature than people his age she seems quieter more observant maybe more like him in some ways kind of a loner herself he can't read her mind so there's intrigue there there's also some intrigue with the fact that he's clearly warring with himself over the fact that he's attracted to the scent of her blood or whatever (laughs) so there's that but i've always wondered if it's enough for me to believe in the romance when it just seems like she's obsessed with him and i don't know why he likes her. I have tried with this book to stand up for Bella as much as I can, that she's more interesting than the movie character and that she does have personality and is fine. But is it just that it's a small school? Is it just, it it must, I think a lot of it must be the maturity thing because I could imagine someone who's just gone through high school, you know, and is an old vampire and like just these, you know, teenage kids getting on his nerves with their similar thoughts and their petty drama. But if I was a vampire, I don't think I would be interested in me, you know, <laughs> in my high school years. Right. Especially if you're 117 years old. Like, right. And again, don't quote me on that age. I know. <laughs> We're using it for now. We're using it for now. We'll get, we'll change it when it uh, we find out what it really is. Right. Because I think the easy thing is to say, okay, Bella just doesn't see herself clearly and she's actually super attractive. And maybe that would level the playing field a little bit, but I don't think that's enough either. Like, I just wish there was a little bit more. I wish there was something about her that, that we could see in the book. And obviously it's from her perspective and she doesn't see herself. She sees herself as ordinary, but I just want a little bit more to believe in it. Yeah, I see that. My kind of take on it is like, so Edward is 117 years old and (laughs) he's probably pretty bored because he's been alive for a long time at this point. Everything's probably been the same over the course of those 117 years with all like the people he's come into contact to. And he thinks he's a monster, so he's not going to like make a vampire for himself to like be with, you know? Right. So I think, you know, Bella shows 
shows up and he realizes that she's different than anyone he's ever come into contact with. And that intrigue is enough for him to like want to get to know her. And then as he gets to know her, he's like, oh, I actually kind of like you. That's my take on it. And obviously up till this point, there's the protectiveness too, right? He's saved her life twice now. And maybe some of that, especially with the car incident is kind of like, okay, he saved her with the car for whatever reason. Maybe he's just a good guy. Maybe he was intrigued with her. Maybe he just didn't want her blood to spill on the pavement in front of him and then he moved to lose control. (laughs) Whatever the reason is, he saved her and she saw that he was clearly not human by doing that. So that kind of already opened up a path for her to start to get to know him as more of himself. And at this point, where we're at now, where they've started sharing some secrets and he's talked about the reading the minds and all that, it probably must feel nice for him to have someone that he can confide in for the first time ever. Besides his family. Right. And so that could be a a connection. So I I see that it's it's more the little bits and pieces adding up that I think make a relationship, which is, you know, also real life. So that's that's fine. I just need to see Bella be a little bit interesting around him. (laughs) Oh, I've got a good potato quote for that later. Great. All right. We're coming to it. Okay. So then she does ask him about his age. He says 17. And she says, how long have you been 17? He says, a while. Now, I'm just going to say, I get the impression is like a while, meaning I've been 17 for like multiple years. But like, I'm 25 and, you know, seven months. So I've been 25 for a while, too. Like, I'm closer to 26 at this point. Mm -hmm. That's a while. Mary, how long have you been 25? A while. A while. Too long. I'm going to start saying that. (laughs) Do it. Pull an Edward. Yeah. I think the impression is he's not ready to disclose that he's an old freaking man. Also, what are your thoughts on this? We can dive into this more later because it's a big topic. Yeah. What are your thoughts on the fact that he's 117 and she's, what is she? 16? No, she's she's 17. So here's my thoughts on age when it comes to Twilight, but also basically all content, okay? My other podcast is Riverdale, obviously. And in Riverdale, these are high schoolers. Now, they're high schoolers being portrayed by 20-somethings. I think the cast at this point ranges from about 24 to probably 30 or so. But they're portraying high school students. And for me, as a 25-year-old, it's much easier to watch the show and pretend that the characters are all like 25. Because that's how old the actors are, and it would be creepy for me to be like, ooh, look at these 16 and 17 year olds. That's weird. So I'm not going to do that. (laughs) And people have been doing this for years because Hollywood obviously casts TV shows and movies with 20 somethings playing high school students all the time. I vividly remember getting to the age where all of a sudden the actors were my age because for a while I was a 16 year old watching 20 somethings play 16 year olds. When I got to the point when I was the age of the actors, I was like, okay, now it's all of a sudden a little bit more normal. But pretty soon the actors are going to be younger than me playing the high school students. So I don't know. Maybe that's when I need to start watching, I don't know, soap operas or something. (laughs) That's my standpoint when it comes to like television. Now, when books are a little bit more complicated because almost all young adult fiction, the characters are in high school. Almost all. Sometimes they're in middle school. Sometimes they're in college, maybe. But a lot of the times they're in high school. And for me, it's just sort of easier to think about it like they're in high school. Edward is a magical creature. His conscious 
consciousness is that of a 17-year-old who has lived the age 17 multiple times. And that's easier for me to think about it that way rather than him being a person whose consciousness is 117. Okay, so you think he feels 17? I think he feels much like if you did where you were locked in the body of a 17-year-old living your life as a 17-year-old. I don't even remember being 17. But maybe could gain more (laughs) knowledge, you know, throughout that time. 17 was what? 11th grade? Yeah. For you, 12th grade? Senior year, yeah. Yeah, I just, I think that's the way I kind of have to think about it to make myself comfortable with this book. Fair. And I think that's okay for people to do that. We're talking about mythical creatures here. It's kind of like if you read books that are about or watch shows that are about, I think there's examples all the time where it's like gods or angels or whatever and they're- Immortal. Immortal. When you come across immortal characters, right? That happens occasionally and you kind of still have to think of them as being the age- Did you read the Percy Jackson books? Yeah. In those characters, you've got all these gods, right, who are coming down to Earth and then having kids with mortal people. But when they're coming down to Earth, they seem like they're, I don't know, 30, 40 years old, right? But they're really hundreds and hundreds of years old. Is that weird? Why is that less weird than someone who's technically, you know, 100 years old, but is- 117? Right. It's like, I'm not thinking of him as being a great grandfather. I'm thinking of him as being, he's just a really mature 17 year old. Okay. But also, now that I'm in my 20s, I have to read these books sort of just, they're in high school, but I'm picturing them being 20-something. So you can relate to it. So I can relate to it, right. I don't know how I feel about it. My gut is like, this is freaking weird. You're looking at the facts. I know. (laughs) Don't read into it. Is it weird that I feel like if Edward were like, yeah, I've been alive for 50 years rather than 117 years. 50 sounds better to you? No, it sounds worse. And that's it does. Weird. Because 50 is a number you can wrap your head around. You say, oh, okay, my, you know, my mom is in her 50s or whatever. And so that's something that you can go, okay, but that'd be weird if he was like a 50-year-old dating a 17-year-old. But when you start putting, I almost think it would be better if he was like 200. <laughs> like, I don't know why that makes me feel better. Uh, he's so old. He's just got it. Look, it's it's not the years, it's the mileage, right? What does that mean? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> On the Volvo. What was it? The Volkswagen Jackrabbit? (laughs) I think it's just rabbit. I don't know. Something like that. T14 hyperdrive generator. That's it. It's not the years. It's the mileage on your T14 hyperdrive (laughs) generator. So I I don't know. I think that this is definitely a sticking point for a lot of Mm -hmm. people, particularly people who don't read the books or particularly for people who are just looking at the concept of Twilight and being like, it's a vampire and a girl, but the vampire is creepy old. That's (laughs) the thing that people like to just summary point out and there's some a lot of stuff from Breaking Dawn that people like to just point out and being like that's weird that's gross true but it's booked <laughs> and it's all make-believe yeah so. I am gonna go with my gut on this one and say to me this is weird and not okay <laughs> but I understand your argument too that it's a mythical story he's a mythical creature different rules apply maybe oh it just feels wrong okay but this is not exactly the same but there are there are books and TV shows and stuff out right now that involve time travel. So how would it make you feel if there was someone who was 17 and then they time traveled into 
future, lived for 30 years, and then time traveled back and still looked like their 17-year-old self. Now, they technically have the consciousness of, like, a 50-year-old now, but they're 17. Would that make you feel better? Is it the fact that it's, I don't know, that he's not really a human anymore? If a vampire came up to you and said, hey, I'm 117 years old, but to you they look your age, or just your whatever age you're comfortable with, I mean, would you be like, nah, it's a deal breaker? Yes. Or would it be the vampire part? (laughs) That would be the deal. I don't want to date someone who should be dead. (laughs) Okay, but the dead part is because he's a vampire, not because he's his age. I don't know. Put it this way: I can understand if this is a sticking point for you, but there are plenty of stories that people don't gripe about as much that are like people falling in love with freaking you know robots. So yeah, you're like, what's more weird? I don't know. Okay, let's get back to this. Yeah. So they're in the car. They're in the car and we are talking about... So she decided it doesn't matter that he's a vampire and he gets mad about that. And before that, we had a lot of banter. So I noticed something. Another thing that just kind of... I can't get on board with it. So you mentioned that you enjoyed their their like banter. I find it jarring. <laughs> Just because Edward has so many mood swings. So I made a list of all the emotions used over the course of like three pages in this conversation. And I'm going to read them to you. There are 14. Stop me if you get the picture. (laughs) One. He startled me by laughing. Two. He chuckled darkly. Three. His voice sounded barely interested, but his hands were clamped hard onto the steering wheel. Four. His face was incredulous, with just a hint of the anger I feared. Five. He was silent, staring straight ahead. His face was bleak and cold. Six. He gritted his teeth together. Seven. He was suddenly resistant. Signed. Eight. He laughed. Nine. He turned to look at me with a wistful expression. Ten. His voice was hard now, and when he looked at me again, his eyes were cold. Eleven. His tone turned ominous. Twelve. He chuckled. <laughs> Thirteen. He was quiet. I glanced up and saw that his expression was pained. Fourteen. I could hear him struggle to use a lighter tone. <laughs> <laughs> and that was all over the course of this entire conversation. It's just ups and downs and ups and downs. It's like some of their banter's funny and I appreciate it. his moods just like they're so jarring to me. I can't like keep up if I like them together or not. Look, it can be hard for teenagers to express their emotions. <laughs> That's a fact. And it can be really hard for middle-aged writers to come up with enough <laughs> different ways to describe how somebody could chuckle. You're right. It's interesting. I think that you tracking his emotions, when they're listed out like this, I definitely see it. I think maybe I just, I pay more attention to Bella than I do Edward a lot of times. Okay. So it doesn't, I don't know. Like for me, I, in the next chapter, I got really distracted where she's having a conversation, but they spend multiple sentences just describing what she's doing with her hands. I put my hands together. I twisted my hands. My fingers knitted (laughs) together. I moved one hand. I held my neck with my hand. And it's just, there's a subplot in this chapter of what she's doing with her hands. That's kind of like this. So I understand how you could pick up on it if you notice it. It it is definitely a little bit of whiplash. I think he's just going through a hard time. You know, somebody has found out he's a vampire and he doesn't really know how to go through this difficult life situation. <laughs> we learn a bunch of vampire facts about Edward. And this is what I'm saying by like they're vampire. She says, don't laugh, but how can you come out during the daytime? He laughed anyway. Myth. Burned by the sun? Myth. Sleeping in coffins? Myth. I can't sleep. At all? Never. Now, 
I'm not sure why we touched down on this whole not sleeping thing. I have some theories. You're confused why they don't sleep? No, it's not that. So here's the quote. He says he can't sleep and it says, he hesitated for a moment and a peculiar tone entered his voice. I can't sleep. It took me a minute to absorb that at all. Never, he said, his voice nearly inaudible. He turned to look at me with a wistful expression. The golden eyes held mine and I lost my train of thought. I stared at him until he looked away. So I think some people interpret this as like having to do with sex. (laughs) She's thinking, oh, you can't sleep? Like, oh, you don't lie down in a bed? Now, that's not how I interpret it, but I have heard people say that that's what they think, why they touch down on this, because we didn't touch down on the whole coffins thing or the burn by the sun or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So that's my thought. You don't have to, to sleep. To do the deed. Which is why I don't agree with this. Okay. I think it has more to do with, I think that there's going to be a lot of plot moving forward, both with her sleeping and also with, and nightmares and stuff like that. And also with, there's a lot of time where he does not need to sleep that can be now used as a plot point, kind of. I don't know. I find it interesting that they kind of nail down on this, but... I kind of interpreted it as, like, he's sad that he can't sleep. And, I don't know, I'd be sad if I could never sleep. It's a nice time to just, like, recharge. He can't shut his brain off. He can't shut off. He's He's probably super bored. Yeah, and that's so much time to live forever and to never be able to sleep. Definitely possible. And then, of course, we move on to the most important thing, which is the whole drinking blood thing. He says that... That they drink animal blood and she says why and he says because he doesn't want to be a monster he's a monster to those deer <laughs> <laughs> look growing up in virginia i'm sorry guys we have an overpopulation of deer <laughs> it's be okay be okay to have one vegetarian vampire <laughs> running around a natural predator yeah they don't really touch on the whole drinking blood thing that much except for the fact that she says so you're not dangerous and he's like no i'm still dangerous don't get me wrong so there's some of that And then we move on to why he's been following her, that kind of thing. He basically says that he's anxious to be away from her because he worries about her because she's out of control and getting into potential situations that could hurt her or tripping and falling off things. And then she said that she's anxious away from him too. And then he kind of freezes for a second and he's like, oh no, this whole thing's wrong. This isn't good. He says, quote, it's wrong. It's not safe. I'm dangerous, Bella. Please grasp that. And then she goes, no. <laughs> no, I'm going to be stubborn and refuse to grasp that. <laughs> yes, and they're kind of like mad at each other. I-, I do like this line as well, where he's just kind of like oblivious, a little oblivious boy. And he says that he wasn't at school today because he can't go into the sunlight. He's been back from his hunting trip since Sunday, but he missed Monday and Tuesday of school, which we know because the last two chapters she was super sad sad because he wasn't at school. Yep. And we were like, chill out, Bella. You knew he Mm -hmm. was hunting. So they find out he can't go in the sunlight. It doesn't hurt him, but people can't see him in the sunlight. And he says he'll show her sometime. Winky face. Yeah. And she says, you know, well, you could have called me and let me know that you were not going to be in school. And he's like, why? I knew you were safe. He's like, yeah, but I didn't know you were. I just love that idea that Edward's like, oh, everything's fine. Bella's chill because I know that she is safe. Not thinking of her side of this at 
at all. He just doesn't view her as like a person with thoughts. <laughs> I guess his thought is like, I'm invincible and I'm going to live forever. But he's not making the connection that like, she doesn't know what's going on in his right. life. She's going to worry about him. She might suspect that he's clearly not human, but that doesn't mean she's not going to worry. So Bella cries because she gets emotional with like the car ride ending and the fact that he's telling her that he's dangerous. But then he's sort of switches gears and like, so I'm going to see you at school tomorrow. We'll eat lunch together. I'll save you a seat. <laughs> then she gets like drunk off his breath. As she's getting out of the car, he like leans in. And he's like, see you tomorrow or something like all, all breathy. And she literally gets drunk off of his breath, goes home, says three words to Charlie that are like incoherent and like stumbles around and kind of like takes a weird shower until like the water runs out and then goes to bed. Takes a weird shower? Did she not take a weird shower? It was, it was like an weird. hour. She was like, the water was super hot. I was burning my skin, but then I realized I was cold. <laughs> yeah. And then she just stays there for an hour and then flops into bed. She got drunk. That summary. She takes a weird shower. She got so wasted. Yeah, basically. He shouldn't breathe on her anymore. It's not nice. <laughs> So Jessica calls her and she's like, I'll speak to you tomorrow in Trig. She's like, oh, your dad's there. Can she not just take the phone upstairs? Charlie would have a corded phone. He probably does. He has dial-up internet. Yeah, fair. Okay, and so the very end of this chapter, we get this line, which I think we've mentioned before because it's on the back of the book, but it says, about three things I was absolutely positive. First, Edward was a vampire. Second, there was a part of him, and I didn't know how potent that part might be, that thirsted for my blood. And third, I was unconditionally and irrevocably in love with him. Now, a couple things. I think we mentioned this before with the whole Mary misinterpretations. I definitely thought this was irrevocably growing up. <laughs> and I Same. also definitely thought it was like, I read the about three things as like approximately three things as opposed <laughs> to about these three things. So that was annoying. Now, I remember this quote, but I actually thought we had already done this. I thought that this quote was at the end of the chapter where she realized is he's a vampire and does all that vampire research. That's where oh. I thought this was. So I kind of forgot that it was after this. Now, let's just break this down. First, Edward was a vampire. Okay, you researched it. You floated his theory. He mentions drinking blood. He didn't actually say he was a vampire yet. He didn't drop the V word? No, he didn't drop the V word, but I think that that's close enough. He made her say it. Out loud. Say it out loud. Now, second, there was a part of him, and I didn't know how potent that part might be, that thirsted for my blood. Okay, I mean, technically, yes, and as we'll discover later, definitely. But at this point in time, I mean, just as much as anyone else, right? She's a human. He's a vampire. He probably thirsts for your blood. Not really sure why we needed to add that. Yeah. We haven't really mentioned at this part yet that, like, he is especially interested in drinking her blood out of, like, anyone else's. Yeah. So I think that that doesn't really... I don't know. It's interesting that they put that here. I don't know why she would be absolutely positive about that yet. You know what else doesn't fit here yet? The L word. <laughs> <laughs> so why is she unconditionally and irrevocably in love with him? Right. They've spent like five days together where they just kind of like have weird whiplash talks and kind of get mad at each other over everything. Maybe the fact that they've had this long conversation did it for her. She's like, okay, I'm all in. We're talking. <laughs> I dropped the V word. He mentioned drinking animal blood. All in. He's got that breath that makes me drunk and that jacket that I like. With the smell. We're in love. <laughs> yeah, I just... 
It does not seem like they've had a lot of good, fun times yet. She's really subscribed to the notion that, like, you know you love someone when you feel devastated when you're not around them. (laughs) That's where she's at. I don't know that she particularly enjoys the time that she's with him, but boy is she upset when he's not there. Yeah, that's very true. And this is interesting because this is something I've thought about before is, like, I feel like the distinction when you know you love someone is how you feel about them when they're not there. Right. When you're not with them and you like think about them a lot, you wonder what they're doing, you like want to tell them about this thing that happened that's cool. That feels like love. But if it's like if when they're not there, you don't think about them, you kind of forget you're dating them. <laughs> Obviously, that's not love. I'm confused on what where Bella falls on that spectrum. I mean, I mean that's just something I made up. It's not like a definition. I mean, I I do think that missing someone you broke up with someone and then you're really extra sad about it, maybe you'd reevaluate things, right? Absence makes the heart grow fonder. Mm-hmm. I get that. But I also think that the healthiest relationships are the ones where you want to be with them, but not where it feels like your heart's getting ripped out of your chest when you're not actually <laughs> dating yet. Yeah, your entire universe should not be caving in if they're not three feet away from you. Maybe Bella needs to just realize that the time she gets to spend with him is great and the time apart is gravy. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all need to realize the good is good and the rest is gravy? Okay, let's let's get going. Chapter 10. Chapter 9, kind of short. Chapter 10, also short. It's really a continuation. A lot of conversations again in this one. Yeah. It's called interrogations. And it is, yeah, just a bunch of interrogations. Bella, the next day after she wakes up after her weird shower slash sleep crash, <laughs> starts to get ready for school. She realizes Jessica still has her jacket. So she's like, okay, I'm just gonna wear a thick shirt. And I was like, does Bella only have one jacket? I get she's from Phoenix. But does she only have one? Anyway. She's super concerned about getting her jacket back. She talks with Edward. Edward's like, here, take my jacket. And she's like, no, because then I have to explain it to Charlie. I'll just call Jessica and ask her to bring it back. And then, but then Edward picks her up to take her to school. And he's like, I didn't want you to get cold without a jacket. Why does everyone care so much? She's not going to die. Yeah, she's fine. It's not that cold. It's April, right? Or March. I don't remember what month it is. Something like that. Something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and Edward just kind of pops up out of nowhere. Yeah, and there's a line here that says, my heart thudded, stuttered, and then picked up again in double time. You might want to get that checked out, Bella. I don't (laughs) think that that sounds natural. Yeah, go see Edward's dad. Be like, your son's doing weird things to my heart. Help. And then he's like, man, wish I had a beating heart. (laughs) They have a little conversation in the car where it's like, how was your night? I don't even remember what they said. But then they immediately get mad at each other again because Edward's still mad at Bella reacting like, cool to everything she learned last night and then Bella's mad at him for like not accepting that she doesn't care that he's a vampire. I don't know, man. And then Bella's, her internal monologue is oh, I wondered if I ruined the mood. Honey, there wasn't even a mood to ruin. I've had whiplash from your conversation since the beginning. Yeah, I mean, which one of Edward's 14 moods could you have ruined? (laughs) Not sure. Exactly. So then they say that he's not wearing a jacket but he's wearing a light gray v-neck t-shirt. Is the color light gray or is the shirt light and also gray why did they notice this this is the second time now previously it was the light light tan sweater or light tan jacket what is it why why does all of his clothing have to be light (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't, it's like they just wanted to throw in another adjective. Ugh. Every time I'm reading it, I'm reading it as the color, but you're totally right. It could just be like, oh, it's a light jacket for April. I guess. And he's a vampire. So it's not until they get to school that she's like, hey, where's your family? Don't you normally drive them? But apparently Rosalie has a red convertible, which is ostentatious. Pretty sure a- this is the first time in my life I learned the word ostentatious also when reading this book. Mm, seems like it might be pulled from a thesaurus or something. Mm, maybe. But yep, she's got an ostentatious red convertible and they pull up next to it and park and then start walking up and they run into Jessica immediately. She has the jacket. Oh, thank goodness. Wow, we wrapped up that, you know, conflict. Oh, yeah. And they the even jacket. say that in the book. She's like, oh, thank God she has my jacket. <laughs> I don't know what that was about. She's real concerned about the jacket. So then Edward dazzles Jessica a little bit and she's kind of like, okay, Bella, I will talk to you in trig. <laughs> we get another one of those little wink wink conversations. Edward reads her mind as she's walking away, Jessica's. She's gonna ambush you in trig and make you tell her everything. This honestly to me seems a little manipulative. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna continue to read her mind during your conversation and after. So anything and everything you tell her, I will know. Because he says she wants to know if we're secretly dating and she wants to know how you feel about me. And he says, go ahead and tell her we're dating. That's easier than any other explanation. Again, something I don't like because I'm like, do you want to date her or is this just like a cover-up so that you can continue to talk to her? I don't know. I I wish that he could just say, yeah, tell her we're dating because I like you. But he doesn't say that. He's like, it's easier than any other explanation. Yeah, and this kind of bothers me. Bella, when she made the decision that like it doesn't bother her, that Edward's a vampire, she was just like, all right, I'm all in. This is my decision. Not changing it. Just got to deal with the decision I made from now on. Edward, I remember he said like five chapters ago, I've decided to stop fighting with myself or something. He made a statement where he was like, I've made a decision that I'm not yeah, I'm breaking gonna keep all the myself rules now. from you anymore. And he still is like back and forth and back and forth. He's not committing to the decision like she is. Just suck it up, dude. You made a decision. Now go with it. And then the second piece, which is that Jessica wants to know how Bella feels for Edward. That's the part where he's like, I'm going to be listening because I'm curious about that too. And he should know, okay, then Bella's not going to be completely candid with Jessica, which is just making me annoyed because I'm like, dude, you didn't have to tell her you were listening. Then right. you could have maybe gotten a more honest answer. But also, poor Jessica over here just wants some gossip, and now you're making it even harder for Bella to tell her anything. She needs to give Jessica something. Oh, God, I know. I can't help but notice here also that Edward is going to tuck a strand of Bella's hair like back into her bun or whatever. And when Mike did that a few chapters ago, it was creepy. But now that Edward does it, it's it's sweet. And I just want to say, you know, girls and guys, that's all about perspective, right? Wow. When when someone does something, the only difference between something that can be creepy and something that can be cute is just if you've find them appealing or not and that's it yeah sounds about right yep they also mentioned that his smile is uneven which i guess makes more sense than a crooked smile although i will say okay i got follow up on this kirsten mckinnis from my riverdale podcast messaged me and she said that stephanie meyer based the crooked smile off of gerard way from my chemical romance no way this is like the third time i've talked about gerard way in the last couple days and i have never in my life previous to those days talked about him so i don't know he's coming up a lot <laughs> But yeah, so apparently that's where the smile is based really? off. Really? I'm going to look it up right now. 
Okay, well, he's not smiling in any of these pictures because he's like singing Looking Welcome at Gerard White crooked smile. His smile seems pretty straight. <laughs> oh, I think I found one. Yeah, this picture looks weird, though. I, he's not really smiling. He looks high. But now this article says Gerard's crooked smile, his trademark crooked smile. What is his trademark crooked smile? I can't help the fact that now I'm looking at a picture of Cedric Diggory and Edward Cullen, and Cedric's just way cuter. <laughs> okay, whatever. Okay, it says, According to Stephanie Meyer, Twilight's Edward Cullen face was perfect, his lips were flawless, his teeth were brilliant, his voice irresistible, even his jacket smelled amazing. Gerard Way does like a lip bitey thing that could be crooked, but it's not really a smile. Okay. Uh, Stephanie Meyer polled her readers for the best Edwards. In the end, the readers cited most was Hayden Christensen, I could see that, Orlando Bloom, and My Chemical Romance lead singer Gerard Way. Wow. And then uh, Robert Pattinson, obviously. Oh my god, Hayden Christensen. <laughs> I didn't know who that was. So I googled it. It's Anakin. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't know who Hayden Christensen was? No. Oh, man. That would have made that movie perfect. My perfect, I mean. Bad. Okay. Well, let's just keep going. Okay. So- I don't know if this is fact or not, but that's what Kirsten said, so take it up with her. So, Jessica's going to talk with her in Trig. It says here that Jessica says, wow, and she exaggerated the word into three syllables. How? I have no idea. I, like, I can get tried. two. I tried two, and I could get two. Wow. How do you get three? Uh, oh. <laughs> like, you can't get... I don't understand. I, the first time I read it, I thought she was spelling it, like, W-O-W. That would make that's more not sense. three syllables. That's it's a lot of syllables. That's like eight syllables. Yeah. Ow. I don't know how she does it. If you can pronounce wow in three syllables. Yeah. So she's bombarding her with questions. So Bella tells her like, oh, we just talked. And like, that's pretty much it. Jessica to like get something out of her just keeps like asking her questions and questions. And she's like, so you like him then? Bella's like, yeah. She's like, I mean, do you really like him? Yeah. How much do you like him? (laughs) And I remember having conversations like that in high school. Like, do you like him? Do you really, really like him? But how much do you like how him? How much do you like him? And then she asks if they kissed yet, and Bella says no. But this reminded me of something that I did in high school, which was, and tell me if this sounds familiar to you or not, I don't remember, was, look, when you're in high school and when when you're an adult, like, it's really easy to be like, oh, yeah, we kissed or we did whatever. But when you're in high school and everything's new for the first time, or maybe middle school, I don't know how advanced y'all are or were, for us, like, me and my friends, you know, a lot of us didn't have our first kisses until I don't know junior senior year of high school or later and so when the first of our friends started like dating or or you know going on dates or having boyfriends or whatever it was a big deal for us to be like what you know like where are you guys at and like I know some people are like oh there's you know first base second base third base whatever no 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 no. we broke it down into like a 20 base scale (laughs) every little thing from like have you held hands have they asked you on a date have you gone to a dance with them have you slow danced with them have you kissed? What type of a kiss? Is it like a small peck? Went down this whole freaking list of 20 different bases that we had code names for. Yeah, if I'm remembering correctly, they were Harry Potter related. They were all Harry Potter related. There was one that was definitely titled Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so there's like all kinds of stuff like that. And it just, it makes me feel for Jessica. I'm like, give her something. Yeah. Like, you need to draw out a scale on a piece of paper and then give her a code name so that Edward doesn't have to know seriously you're in high school it's exciting just like give your friend something and i i feel like jess would be such a good friend she's just trying so hard to like be involved in bella's life even though bella's like not giving her anything i wish we got a little bit more from bella like not always seeming annoyed with jessica and maybe 
maybe it's just that she's a private person. That's fine. So she ends up sort of changing the conversation because in a previous class, Mike had mentioned that he had gone out with Jessica and Bella was like, oh, she really enjoyed it, you know, whatever. And so Jessica like clings to that and is like, oh, like dissect everything that Mike said. How did he say it? What did he look like when he said it? Tell me his facial expression. And so they end up talking about that for the next couple classes. Bella, you could do the same. I know that you know that Edward's listening, but I mean. But who cares? Who like, cares? You're already in it. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. he was already there. So they go to lunch. He buys like a crap ton of food, which is just wasteful if you're not going to eat the food. Right. Coming from the man who said the wasting of finite resources is everyone's responsibility. Yeah, this Edward. This is a bad move. You're eating your words. I mean, not literally because you're not you're not <laughs> eating your words. Also, <laughs> yeah. what's his obsession with her eating? I know. Like, he's always like, you need to eat or you're going to pass out. Right. Maybe he's worried that if she passes out, he'll drink her blood. I don't know. It, it, it doesn't make sense. You need to stay alive so that you can fight me so that I won't drink your blood. Yeah, exactly. Fair. So one of the things he buys is an apple. And remember you're talking about like the subplot with her hands? Yes. There's definitely a sentence where she's like moving this apple around and like holding it in her hands speculatively, much like the cover of the book. Is it related? Probably not. Did I pick up on it? Yes. It's very possible. Look, it mm-hmm. could be true. I think that somebody read through the first book and they're like, okay, what do I make a title out of? Uh, <laughs> could I do a tree? Could I do a vampire? Now that's too obvious. Let's just put an apple there, right? She holds an apple in that one scene. Boom. Perfect. I it's have related. this famous picture of myself where I'm in a, a tree house or I don't even know if it could be called a tree house. It, what age? You know what? What age? Yeah. I think I was 18 because it was when I made my first Survivor audition. It's actually just, a, it's not even a photo. It's a still from a video, but I'm inside my like swing set, like the house part attached to the swing set. And I'm sitting in it holding an apple and sort of staring off in the distance because it's it's just a freeze frame from when I was saying something, I guess. Oh, I remember that. Yes. And my friend captioned it and he said, I don't always stare off into the distance, but when I do, I'm holding an apple. That was good. And yeah, I think it's on one of my multiple YouTube channels. It's my profile picture. It's a really <laughs> old picture of me when I was like 18, but for a while I really liked it. Was it inspired by Twilight? No, not even a little bit, but okay. I thought of it now. Twilight was inspired by it, if we're being real. It's a famous photo. I mean, they went into the future, saw my picture, and then went back in time and wrote Twilight. And yeah. Like, you know what? We don't know what we're going to write this book about, but we know the cover is going to have someone holding an apple. <laughs> we don't always hold an apple, but when we do, it's on the cover of Twilight. It's on the cover of Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> then there's this whole thing about pizza. Like, he eats some pizza because she dares him to, and he's like, tastes like dirt or whatever. Yeah, no, so he's like, if someone dared you to eat dirt, you could do it, right? So he, like, takes a bite of pizza to prove he can do it, but, like, it tastes like dirt to him. And she's like, oh, yeah, I did do that on a dare one time, and it wasn't so bad. What? What game of truth a dare are you playing? What friend dares you to eat dirt? I mean, I don't think I've ever eaten dirt. I've accidentally eaten, like, sand, which is the worst because it's all gritty. Like, when you eat Twilight at the beach? Yeah, I've done that before. No, when you, like, have some chips at the beach or a sandwich and some sand gets on it is what oh. I meant, but that too. Or I've when just you're been, like, wrecked bombing. by a wave. And yeah. I have a scar from this time I was wrecked by a wave and just, like, face plant into the sand underwater. I mean, most of the dares I feel like I've done in my life have been, like, jumping off of things that were high <laughs> or, like, touching bugs. You know, like, I dare you to hold this worm yeah. or put this worm on your face or stuff like that. Yeah. 
A lot of worm-related dares in my lifetime. <laughs> Most of my dares were like in elementary school, you know? Right. I'm, I feel like we did some more weird stuff, but we never ate dirt. No. I've eaten we bugs. We ate like weird kitchen dares. Yeah, I we dare you to mix ketchup and hot sauce and mayo and then like drink it. But at least yeah. all those things are edible. We did a lot of that. You're right. That was gross. Yeah. yeah. Now, he takes a bite of the pizza, right? And then she eats the rest of the pizza. Now, I don't know how vampire venom works, but like, is that okay? Oh, seems like a plot hole. Like, I'm guessing it's okay. I, I just don't understand. Is vampire venom like a thing where it's like not always in your mouth and like sometimes it's in your mouth? Are there like Aww. venom glands where it like <laughs> comes out and then like, can he swallow the venom? Is How does that work? I don't Maybe understand. Maybe he didn't use his vampire teeth. Are those like retractable? I don't think that's a thing. I don't remember. I don't think that they actually have the pointy teeth, but I don't remember. We're going to find out on this read along with how old Edward actually is. So Edward tells her that she's wrong to think that she cares for him more than he cares for her because that's one of the things that Bella tells Jessica. She's like, I care for him too much more than he likes me. And he's like, no, because it's that whole thing with the person who cuts the baby in half, right? I'm the one. Isn't that like a story? It's like two women (laughs) claim that a baby is theirs and then like God or somebody is like, I'm going to take the baby and it's like, or else I'm going to cut the baby in half so you can both share. And like one of the women is like, okay, I think so. And then like, I could be totally making this up and it could not be God. It could be like a king. But like somebody is like, I'm going to cut the baby in half because they're trying to figure out who the mom really is. And then one of the women is like, no, no, it's fine. The other woman can have the baby. And like, that's the real mom um, because they were the one who like didn't want the baby to be cut in half, right? Somebody's okay, going to so know. Okay, so no babies this is are actually thing. being cut in half. Hold on. <laughs> I'm going to look this up because okay. I got roasted by my mom last time I didn't know a Bible verse. Hold on. <laughs> Judgment of Solomon is a story from the Hebrew Bible in which King Solomon, it was a king, not God, mm. sorry, of Israel, sorry, God. ruled between two women both claiming to be the mother of a child. Solomon revealed their true feelings in relationship to the child by suggesting to cut the baby in half with each woman to receive half and then one woman gives it up. Okay, so Judgment of Solomon, that's the story. And it wasn't God, guys. It was King Solomon. I I apologize. Okay, cool. So this is what Edward's doing, right? He's like, I care about you more because I'd be willing to let you go. I'm the one who's going to be selfless and let you go, whereas you wouldn't. So therefore, you don't care about me as much. I'm the mother, the real mother of the baby. (laughs) You'd cut the baby in half. Now, I don't like this approach because I feel like this is, I just don't like this like martyr approach of like, ooh, I get that he could literally kill her. And so he feels like he could have to leave to protect her from himself. He's kind of disregarding the fact that like she also cares about him and she's going to therefore be hurt, you know, emotionally. She'll be alive. Also, by the way, this is what we call foreshadowing folks. Mm, Come back to that in our new moon reread. As Julie Chen Moonves said a few weeks ago, when you have to choose between what's right and what's kind, always choose to be kind. A quote that does not make sense, but does fit in this sentence. <laughs> She's saying, Bella is right. You should be kind and not leave me. Edward is trying to be right and leave. Yeah, he keeps coming back. Yeah. Yeah, that quote applies just about as much as like the good is good and everything else is gravy. <laughs> it yeah. fits here. Because they're having this whole conversation about the fact that he keeps saying goodbye a lot. Like he's yeah. always trying to say goodbye to her. We're friends, but you should stay away from me kind of thing. Right. She's like, when you're saying something, it seems like you're saying something else. And like that is saying goodbye. Again, with what I talked about earlier, it's like I kind of see his logic because he's the danger 
dangerous one in this relationship. There are risks from his end. There's not really any risks from her end. But he decided he's in. He's got to just be in. Like, stop giving this poor girl whiplash. Just take Bella's approach and just, like, commit to the decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just commit to it. You can't half-ass this relationship. Mm-hmm. There's also some stuff where he says, why else do you feel like you care about me more than I care about you? And she says, well, you know, apart from the obvious. And he says, what's the obvious? And she says, well, you're like a Greek god and I'm ordinary, she says. Right. And then he's like, honey, you are ordinary and I can prove it by telling you what every human male thought on your first day here. Woof. That's, that's something. Mary, if you could know what everyone thought of you in high school, would you want to know that? No, because I'm sure most of them were like, who's that nerd girl? (laughs) (laughs) Right, same. Even if it is like that answer, like, yeah, everyone thinks you're hot. I wouldn't want to know that either. And it's like, who's undressing me with their eyes? (laughs) Here's the thing. At the time I read this, I was in middle school. But when I was in high school, I definitely did identify with some of what Bella's saying here. And now I know that typical of a lot of high school nerd girls to feel like, oh, I'm not anything special, right? And I mean, I I sort of had two very distinct and equal sides to my personality and my mindset. One was like, I'm awesome. And then the other half was like, I feel like I'm not in the same league necessarily attractiveness as the people that I have crushes on. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I knew for a fact that for a while when I was in high school, my first boyfriend, I felt like, and I also remember hearing other people tell me like, wow, I was shocked that you two were together. And Mm. the implication there was, I'm shocked that you're able to date someone who's out of your league, basically. And well, at least that's how I interpreted it. Yeah. And it could be like skewed. That might not have been what people meant. With time and with the invention of makeup and things, I was able to (laughs) even that gap somewhat. And, you know, people change as you get older. And, you know, once you enter college and then post-college, I think these sort of high school tiers start to dissolve a little bit, right? People come into their own and people are not just constantly thinking like, oh, am I in their league or out of their league? If you're still living that way, people grow up. That's not, it's not really accurate anymore. And, you know, a lot of this was just me being an inexperienced young person who was not super confident in their outward presentation, I guess, you know, in the way I yeah. looked. And so I felt like there was some things there. And, and, and like I said, I also had this very distinct part of my personality, which was very confident and felt fine about myself. But you feel fine about yourself around your friends and then all of a sudden you go into the dating world and you start to second guess everything. So I do get what she's saying here. And as a reader, I'm like, I see how his argument here of, oh, every guy thought you were cute. I could tell you what they were thinking is supposed to make the reader accept the fact that he could like her because clearly she doesn't see herself the way that the guys do or the way that he does at the very least. But at the same time, that just sort of makes all of this about looks, which I don't really appreciate. I agree. I think she's kind of playing into the trope. Oh, high school girl doesn't have a lot of confidence she's more than what she thinks she is i don't know i feel like maybe some some high school girls who are lower on confidence want to hear that and maybe she's just like appealing to the reader in that sense but it doesn't apply to everyone not everyone needs that to like feel good about themselves and i would argue that that shouldn't be a grounding point for like what makes people feel good about themselves yeah it shouldn't be yeah but i also think having him being described as a greek god and i know that this is from her perspective but clearly 
Clearly, the Cullens are supposed to be sort of abnormally beautiful, right? So I do think that she also probably has some justification behind like, I'm a human though, I'm an ordinary, I mean, even if I was an attractive human, I'm an ordinary attractive human, you're on like a different tier. Right. And that's fair. Because they're supposed to be ridiculously beautiful, like unhumanly beautiful, so. But I kind of liked if Edward could look past, or maybe not even look past, if Edward liked her for being ordinary, but now it's not the case. Well, but I think she is. I think maybe it's just she's ordinary, and then in his, I mean, clearly Lauren thinks she's ordinary, right? <laughs> F Lauren, dude. Yeah, but but maybe it's more just like, we need to see Bella. Hopefully Bella could see herself the way that Edward sees her, maybe. But clearly it's not just Edward, it's every human male. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe all the human males were bored. Maybe. Okay. Not much going on in Forks. They talk a little bit about what they're going to do over the weekend because he asks her if he had asked her to the dance, would she have said yes? And she says, yeah, I probably would have said yes and then I would have canceled on you later because I don't do the whole dancing (laughs) thing, which is pretty funny. And he's like, okay, so is going to Seattle, like, is that a done deal or could we do something else? They decide that they're going to do something else. He's going to show her what he looks like in the sunlight. Right. And then there's a whole weird thing where she's like, can I drive? Because one, she doesn't want him to drive because he drives way too fast. And then she doesn't want to tell Charlie that she's going on this like excursion with Edward, wherever it is. He's like, don't you want to tell your father we're hanging out? And she's like, oh, less is more with Charlie. What does that mean? I mean, I think she's basically saying like, I don't want to outright lie to him. And so if he asks me if we're hanging out, then I'd say yes. But at the time I made the plans, I was going to go alone. So I don't think he's going to ask me again if I'm going alone. I think she just doesn't want to explain to her dad that she's dating someone. Mm, Poor Charlie. (laughs) Poor Charlie. He's so out of the loop. I know. He gets kind of upset, though, because he's like, but I'm dangerous. You need to let someone know so that I have some sort of basically a thing holding me accountable so I need to bring (laughs) you back alive. It's like, geez. Yeah. Way to get a little hardcore on us. A little deathy. Yeah. Then they talk about the hunting trip that they had gone on to the Goat Rocks Wilderness. (laughs) (laughs) He talks about how Emmett likes eating grizzly bears. Yeah, she's like, why did you choose to go there to hunt? There's so many bears. And then Edward just kind of like pauses and waits for her to get it. And she's like, bears? <laughs> you eat yeah. bears? This is one of my favorite lines. She's shocked at first. She goes, bears, I gasped. And he smirked. And then she says, you know, bears are not in season. I added sternly to hide my shock. I love that. How quick she is on that little anecdote. That's pretty funny. So then we figure out grizzly bear is Emmett's favorite meal. Mm-hmm. And he hunts like a bear. And mountain lion is Edward's favorite meal. And then he hunts like a lion. Yep. So meal subplot. <laughs> Ooh, but see, Bella's not eating, so I don't think that counts. Okay. Yeah, if we were tracking what Edward was eating. So then Bella asks to go with because she wants to see him hunt like a lion. And then he gets really mad again and says no and doesn't say why. So I'm just like, dude, for being 117 years old, you need to work on your temper problems. You should have figured this out by now. But I guess if we're going with the theory that he has a consciousness of a 17-year-old, kind of makes sense. Yeah, he he doesn't want her to go hunting with him because it's going to be way too dangerous and i don't know i feel like putting this in here is just telling me the reader like we're gonna see it eventually fact (laughs) i just feel like that's gonna happen and that's really the end of the chapter they get up to go to class they have once again eaten lunch and talked for so long that the rest of the cafeteria is pretty much empty i like that we had some some more conversations I, i will nitpick this one thing maybe i'm just narcissistic and so i didn't really notice other people in life but really what are the odds that all throughout the day people are just constantly 
staring at them. They've already had lunch together before, last right. week. They've already been partners in biology, so clearly they talk occasionally. But it's like, Edward has never been seen talking to anyone ever, and they sit and they talk and everyone's watching them. Like, really? For days. Yeah, that seems like a little bit much. Yeah. I remember they sat down at this table and it said there were like a group of seniors there, like at the other end of the table, like they weren't sitting with them. And they were like, and then the seniors like stared at us. Like, I know it's a small school, but yeah. I don't know if there was like one loner hot boy who like started dating someone. I don't think I would notice much less everyone in the school. No. I don't know. You'd notice for like a minute and they'd be like, Yeah, oh, you'd be cool. like, oh, that's weird. Yeah. Look at them. <laughs> and then you don't care about it anymore. Yeah. All right. Well, that's the end of that chapter. So let's get to some of our segments here. Really only one mention of Lauren in both of these chapters. This is when Bella is explaining how she initially found out that he was a vampire. She says, Lauren said something about you. She was trying to provoke me. And then that's when she leads into Sam saying, the Cullens don't come here and all of that. So we do get a nice shout out about, I love how Bella's just like talking to Edward like he already knows that Lauren hates her. It's like, well, obviously Lauren said something, you know, to provoke me. (laughs) Freaking Lauren, you know, her. He probably probably does know because of the whole reading minds thing. But have they talked about it? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's just universally assumed that Lauren and Bella are enemies. Yes. So that brings our Lauren total up to nine, I believe. Screw Lauren, man. That's one too many times. Okay, let's get into the food count here. So there was no food in chapter nine because they were driving home for most of the chapter. Chapter 10, though, starts off right away where Bella is going to swallow a granola bar in three bites and chase it down with milk straight from the carton. High Real action. Real important. And then Bella's going to eat that piece of pizza that may or may not have venom on it. Right. So There was a Coke there, too. She likes Coke. Yeah. She had a pizza and Coke. So that's going to bring our total up to 7.5 bits of food information. <laughs> I'll count the apple also with that pizza. She didn't actually eat the apple, but she did play with the, the mm-hmm. apple some. She held it speculatively. What about our potato count? Where are we at? We had a few potatoes this time around. Surprising, since she literally just sat in a car and then walked through school. A whole bunch of conversations, but there is always room for potatoes in Bella's life. Chapter 9, when they were driving back from Port Angeles, Edward's kind of quizzing her about like what she was going to do in the situation with the men on the street. And she was like, I was going to fight them. He goes, you were going to fight them? This upset him. Didn't you think about running? She goes, I fall down a lot when I run. <laughs> And he's like, yup, checks out. Checks out. I'm not going to question that. Fighting is definitely the best alternative. And in chapter 10, we had two potatoes, actually. The first is when she's kind of explaining to Edward why she thinks that she cares about him more than he cares about her. And she's like, well, part one, the obvious. I'm absolutely ordinary. Well, except for bad things like all the near-death experiences and being so clumsy. At least she's self-aware, you know? Yeah. And then I think this was also in the same conversation. I think we mentioned this earlier. So Edward's asking if I'd asked you to the dance, would you have turned me down? Probably not, I admitted, but I would have canceled later. Faked an illness or sprained an ankle. He was puzzled. Why would you do that? I shook my head sadly. You've never seen me in gym, I guess, but I would have thought you would understand. He goes, are you referring to the fact that you can't walk across a flat, stable surface without finding something to trip over? Obviously, she says. Isn't that something you want to hear from your crush? Are you referring to the fact that you can't walk across a flat, stable surface without finding something to trip over? Nope. That's where we're at. Hate to hear it. All right. So that was three potatoes. 
for these two chapters. So it's 20 last time, and that brings us to a total count of 23 potatoes. I'm really curious to find out not only which chapter has the most potatoes, but which of the books has the most potatoes. Oh. It might be Twilight. Let me just tell you, in a couple weeks, there's a chapter that's going to have a lot that I can remember. Uh I just, it's the moment that I always think of when I think about Bella being clumsy. So we're getting up to that pretty soon. Let's do best line, worst line here. So I think the best line, there was a couple good ones. I I really did like the one in chapter nine. I really like the line where he says, I hear voices in my mind and you're worried that you're the freak. That's one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm going to go with the conversation they have about the grizzly bears where he says that early spring is Emmett's favorite since the grizzly bears are just waking up from hibernation and they're irritated and she just deadpan says, nothing more fun than an irritated grizzly bear. (laughs) And I like that one a lot. I like her deadpan humor. That is one redeeming quality. Anytime she mentions something that's like terrifying or abnormal and she just says it with a straight face like, oh yeah, of course, of course you would prefer mountain lions or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, naturally. Okay, what's the worst line? So the worst line is another description of Edward. She's leaving her Spanish class after, like, getting interrogated by Jessica. And outside the door to her Spanish class, leaning against the wall, looking more like a Greek god than anyone had the right to, Edward was waiting for me. Why, Why is he a Greek god? Looking more like a Greek god than anyone had a right to. Yeah, I'm not a fan. It's just too much, man. Like, maybe, yeah, he's supernatural, but, like, girl, check your obsession. (laughs) I mean, if you keep describing him like a Greek god, no wonder you're going to feel ordinary. Agreed. I'd like to hear a little positive self-talk from Bella instead. A little bit. Maybe, maybe one day. Maybe we'll get some (laughs) of that. Let's get to some chapter rankings. Okay, these were both really conversation heavy, which I think fits into, it's kind of similar to blood type, but I almost feel like the conversations they had in blood type were a little bit more lighthearted because they weren't being as candid. And these are more important. I mean, we got, we got, like we said, we got the L word thrown around. We finally have basic open communication. They're pretty much openly dating at this point. But that being said, they were kind of just sort of fun, light chapters. They didn't really have a whole lot. They're not super important to the overall plot of the story. So where are you thinking? I'm probably going to think lower for these two. I agree. I would I would like to put them higher because it was a lot of like Bella Edward time and this being like a romance novel. You want that relationship development. But their their banter is just like little jarring for me so and i think they're very similar chapters like i think we're gonna have to put them back to back probably i agree which one did you think was a stronger chapter there was one where it was very tense when they're in the car and i know that's the one where they had a lot of mood swings but we also got the conversation most of the questions were about being a vampire and then the second chapter had a lot more to do with their relationship who cared more about each other jessica asking quizzing them on what happened a little bit more light so which one do you think was better probably the car one better just because it answers a lot of questions right i agree so that would be inter no theory theory Theory. above interrogations yes but where i think they're both better than nightmare because nightmare was a lot of her theories about vampires but she didn't actually talk to him about them Mm -hmm. are they better than first sight the first chapter where she moves probably yeah are they better than the car crash chapter that's where it's tricky for me i'm gonna say no just because there was some action in there so let's slot them in here chapter nine theory 
which is now our seventh place chapter, and then chapter 10 interrogations. Boom. Still got scary stories ranking at number one. The one chapter with Jacob. Just throwing that out there. Woo! (laughs) (laughs) Throwing that out there. And then my personal favorite blood type. So that was chapters five and six. So I guess uh, episode three of this podcast must have been a good one. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) We're on a roll. Top two favorite chapters at the moment. (laughs) Okay. I don't think we really have anyone that we can add to the Civil War of Twilight teams at the moment. It's mostly just Bella and Edward. Yes. Can I have Charlie? I just want to give him a hug. I... no, you can't have Charlie. You have, I'm going to need a better argument to get Charlie on your team. He's just like Charlie around. You can't just around. have him because you want him. He's just a little Charlie horse. I think there will be a time later on where Charlie will pop up and you'll have a good reason to put him on your team. Okay. But we're not Sounds there good. yet. And don't worry. I already have someone else who I want on my team. Okay, cool. <laughs> but it's not relevant yet. Okay. We'll get there. Okay. So we have another review that I'd like to read. This was a review from iTunes, a short and sweet one. That was very nice. This is from VA Podcast Fan LC, which was a five-star review. Ooh. And it says, fun, exclamation point. Enjoyable, fast-paced banter and fun takes on Twilight has inspired me to reread the series. Aw. Aw. Yay. I'm glad Thank you're enjoying you. it. What was the name? VA Podcast Fan. <laughs> VA Podcast Fan. I'm so glad you're enjoying it. Thank you so much. We also have, so we also have a comment that was written to us from chapters three and four, which is by Wes, who has also previously written a review on iTunes. So thank you, Wes, so much for your continued support. So this comment was left on our website. So just a reminder, everyone, you can feel free if you would like to talk with each other or leave us comments directly on specific chapters, then feel free to leave those on our website, KowskiCast, that's cow with a K, KowskiCast.com. And you can go to the TwiFight tab there, where you can find all of the episodes, all of our previous ranking lists that we just did, Potato Counts, F. Lawrence, all of that. So Wes says, as far as I know, Mrs. Meyer has never lived in the Pacific Northwest, let alone the areas west of the Cascade Mountains. I, on the other hand, grew up in that area. You're 100% right about one of your early points in the podcast. School would have been delayed by two hours at a minimum and probably closed if there was enough ice to warrant traction cables. Those folks cannot drive in snow or ice. I thought it was sweet that Charlie had put the cables on. There's no way Bella had them ready to go. Which, thank you, because us living over here on the East Coast definitely would have had at least a two-hour delay. So good to know that we're not complete pansies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Wes also says, you mentioned Edward's gaslighting in chapter three, but I thought the most egregious example was in chapter four, where he says, you are exceptionally unobservant, which in regards to Edward is the exact opposite of the truth. And here he is trying to convince her she is fooling herself. Yeah, I I think that's definitely him gaslighting her because she is very observant, generally. Especially of him. She's watching his every move. Right. And then he says, finally, here's a tinfoil hat theory. Everything that happens after Bella gets to school the day of the accident is happening in her head as she lies in a coma. All of the supernatural stuff occurs after she sees Tyler's minivan careening towards her, including Edward's moving so fast to rescue her. Wow. Interesting theory. I like that take. And then at the end of Breaking Dawn, she wakes up. Right. So we'll see when we get to the end of the final book <laughs> if that still checks out. I Yeah, I like that for a tinfoil hat theory. That's very similar to our Jughead is really dead theory in Riverdale. So mm-hmm. I like this. But I mean, it would make for a 
boring <laughs> series. It would also make for some questions like why in the world then if Edward is not a vampire did he react so badly to her back in chapter two when she <laughs> enters biology? That's true. He's just a jerk. <laughs> That's the story. That's the story. Okay. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for leaving those comments. Like I said, feel free to leave us some five-star ratings and reviews. That really, really helps on iTunes. It's the best way for people to find a new show like ours. Feel free to send us comments and questions on our website or on our Twitter at KalskiCast. That's Cal with a K. You can follow me online at Frail Mary, and you can follow Rachel at Stukin on Twitter. That's S-T-U-U-U-K-E-N, three U's. Thanks as always to Will from America for creating our wonderful theme song. And thank you to my brother Dave for letting me steal just all of his music that I plugged in for our 5-6 chapter episode. I stole his song, The Little Buffalo, to use as our fake ad sponsor music. That was really good. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Will. I jam out to your theme song every time. It's awesome. Yes, Will, one of your best by far. Absolutely. And all of them are amazing. All right, everyone. That's all for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be back next week for our rereads of chapters 11 and 12. For now, we're the Kowski cast. Thanks for listening, Twihards and fellow haters. Goodbye. Every morning when I wake up, I ask myself if I'm Team Edward or Team Jacob. But a part of me says that Twilight is dumb. but he's an old frickin' man.